Hi, thank you for clicking on the Digital Selling Secrets Podcast. You're about to listen to part two of the interview with Benton Crane. And Benton Crane is the CEO of Harmon Brothers. And if you've never heard of Harmon Brothers, make sure you Google them because their ads have gotten millions and millions of views. And they're typically around topics or products that some companies are uncomfortable talking about, but they have the ability to use humor to make the ads go viral. And in this episode, we talk about corporate branding, personal branding, and increasing sales. So if you're interested in any of these topics, definitely tune in. But the reality is we're human. And when we're on social media and we're only seeing the highlight reel, when something human pops up, something relatable, something vulnerable, that builds trust. Then what I have to do is offer them something that has a high enough perceived value to overcome their desire to not get pitched or spammed or bothered or annoyed. I have to go on a gut level first and foremost. What sells me? How do we take some of the repetitive, quote unquote, bureaucratic tasks out of the hands of the rep and automate those to free up time for them to spend selling? How can we create a place where it's positive, where there's nothing but motivation, education, and inspiration? And how can we do it consistently? Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, I'll, there's a lot of schools of thought on this. Um, I'll share with you my opinion. Um, but keep in mind, this is an area that um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a world-class expert at. You know, when it comes to branded conversion cam campaigns that we're known for, I don't think there's anyone on earth better than my team at those. Uh, but when it comes to things like personal branding and LinkedIn marketing and that, that type of stuff, I can share my opinion, uh, but take it with a grain of salt because there's people out there who, who know that world a, a lot better than I do. So my way of thinking on it is that any individual or any business, any entrepreneur, you first need to have what I like to refer to as an economic engine. And so if it's the case of you know, just an individual trying to create a personal brand, your economic engine is probably just your nine to five job, right? Um, for an entrepreneur um, who's trying to create a brand, the economic engine is probably the baseline level of sales that they need to keep the lights on and, and you know, payroll paid and, and um, you know, stay in business, right? And the reason I, I always want to start with that economic engine is because it then gives me the flexibility to go on to LinkedIn or you know, to whatever platform it is that I want to focus on. And I can go onto LinkedIn and I can say, okay, it's time for me to build a personal brand here on LinkedIn, but I know that's going to take time and it's going to take patience. And in order for me to have that patience, I can't be uh, desperately trying to close the next sale uh, with every post that I put out there on LinkedIn, right? Right. Um, uh, otherwise, like who wants to follow me if I'm just like in nonstop sales mode, right? Right. And, and if I'm like, you know, spamming the heck out of my, um, you know, all my connections uh, with my direct messages trying to sell something, like I'm very quickly going to burn up any of that personal brand capital that I'm actually trying to build. And so by having my economic engine in place, it allows me to go on to LinkedIn and say, okay, I'm not going to use this as a sales tool per se. I'm going to use it as a relationship building tool and as a uh, personal brand building tool. And so now I can patiently 
put out content on a regular basis, content that I'm thinking about that's relative, um, uh, that, that's relevant to, to what I'm working on um, and hopefully helpful to, to my audience, to my followers. And as I do that consistently over time, then I build up trust with people who trust my opinions on these things. And eventually people start reaching out to me asking for my expertise or asking for Harmon Brothers help to do whatever it is that they need to do. So um, that's just my personal opinion on, on LinkedIn. I don't see LinkedIn as a sales tool. I know other people do. I see LinkedIn as a relationship tool and a, and a personal brand building tool. And I use it accordingly. I don't try to sell on there. Um, I, I, I have my economic engine elsewhere so that I can be patient on LinkedIn. That's my personal approach and my personal opinion on it. Yeah, and I think that's a great perspective. Do you think there's a correlation there? So we talked a second ago about the branding, and then we have or the two, two uh, schools of thought in marketing, right? You have the branding school, you have the uh, direct response school. Mm -hmm. um, do you think there's a correlation there between a per, an individual sales rep they're, they're doing their branding stuff, but they're also a component of that should be more of a direct response type feel. Um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because you, you see some people, they're just posting posts to try to get likes and engagement, but they're not really, you don't really know what they stand for. Mm -hmm. And I think it's questionable whether or not they're getting any leads or sales or, or through that relationship. Um, but it seems like there might be a balance there. And, I, and, and you, you and your team, you are, you are the experts in the marketing world, but I'm just trying to draw that correlation between uh, to, to a sales rep or maybe even a business owner. I think it's more obvious for a business owner, but uh, for sales reps, what do you think? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Maybe um, let's try another analogy and see if it's helpful. Uh, so I think Nike is a really interesting case because Nike very much lives in the brand world right? You know, there's, there's nothing direct response about what, about what Nike does. And quite frankly, at this point in Nike's evolution and in their history, I think it would be really stupid for them to do any type of, you know, direct response marketing. Um, they're at a point where they just don't need to anymore, nor should they. Um, branding is the right approach for Nike or for Apple or for Coca-Cola, right? But it wasn't always that way, right? They didn't always start where they're at today. And, you know, if you go read the book Shoe Dog uh, by Phil Knight, the, the founder of Nike, you discover that early in Nike's um, history, you know, Phil was going around, um, you know, shoe, uh, shoe store to shoe store, peddling his shoes, basically like a door-to-door -door salesman, but getting them into these shoe stores so that then, you know, shoe salesmen could you know, could start to push it. And that was a very, you know, direct response type business model. And it wasn't until he had kind of built up his economic engine to the point where he had the flexibility to start exploring kind of more of the branding side. You know, he had 10 years under his belt before Michael Jordan came along and, you know, he, he signed Michael Jordan um, and, and, you know, created Air Jordan and, yeah, I mean, the, the rest is history, right? But when I think about that from like a, an entrepreneur per perspective, what comes to mind is kind of this idea that I have to figure out what that economic engine is that's going to allow me to be patient. 
And whether that means I'm going door to door like Phil to get that economic engine so that I then have time for my brand building, or maybe it's I start with a very direct response um, sales approach where I'm very much focused on you know just closing those initial deals with the low hanging fruit in my marketplace so that I can get that initial cash coming in the door that gives me that flexibility to say, okay, now how do I build a brand over time? And, and so as long as, you know, even in the B2B world, as long as you have the flexibility to be patient in your relationship building, I think this gets back to your question, um, then the approach you can take is you can say, how do I be additive in these relationships so that I'm creating trust and I'm creating goodwill so that along the way I can also educate on problems that I can help solve, not in like a, a hardcore sales way, but I'm educating on those problems that I can solve so that as soon as you know, someone in my network feels that pain, they know exactly who to turn to, me. And, and then they come to me and I can help them at, at that point. So I don't know, that, that's a little bit roundabout, but, um, but that, that's kind of how I think about that personal branding versus sales. Yeah, it makes sense. And it, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's, I mean, back to the Nike scenario or even, I mean, the, the sales professional or maybe even entrepreneur, because I, I think you're absolutely right. You get started with um, a certain amount of sales uh, to get you going. But it's just interesting um, what you're saying about almost shutting that economic engine, if you will, for lack of better words, you're shutting that, shutting that off, it sounds like. You, you get it going and then you end up – But I guess the question is if you're, gro- if you're growing that way, why not continue to grow that economic engine? Why do you need to make that transition at all to a branding if you're – if you, I mean, you, you just eventually people get turned off by the uh, hardcore sales mentality. I mean, what, what happens that, that you want to make that switch? Uh, you don't want to be snuggy. So think <laughs> about snuggy. So they, they have one of the most successful infomercials in the history of infomercials. Uh, depending on what source you read, they sold somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to $500 million worth of snuggies. Um, you know, it's a stupid fleece blanket with arms, right? Um, but they sold 300 to $500 million of Snuggies and they never bothered to build a brand. And so you fast forward to today and where is Snuggie? They're nowhere to be found, right? The, uh, in fact, uh, you and I are old enough that we can remember the Snuggie, you know, I- infomercial. Right. The up and coming generation, if you go say, hey, have you heard of Snuggie? You know, nine out of 10 of them probably haven't even heard of it. Um, and, and so I, I look at that as a lesson of, you know, the Snuggie founders were direct response marketers. They thought like direct response marketers and they didn't know how to bridge that gap or evolve into creating a brand that can stand the test of time. And so while Nike started out in direct sales back in the 70s, and have you know grown into the you know premier shoe brand in the world, uh, you know multi multi billion dollar organization. Snuggie didn't go through any sort of evolution like that, and so they had their kind of like their run in the sun, you know their their three or five years of glory, if you will, 
and and then they faded into obscurity into oblivion when they had the opportunity to actually build a real brand um, and create lasting trust and um, and and a portfolio of products and whatever else that that could really stand the test of time and turn into a uh, into a powerhouse brand and a powerhouse company. Um, so to answer your question, I wouldn't argue that you need to shut your economic engine off. You keep that economic engine going, but you make sure that while that economic engine is going or even growing, you're also investing heavily into building your brand for the long haul. Because otherwise, you know, you're going to have your little, your little run in the sun and then because you failed to build a brand that stands the test of time, you'll fade into obscurity. Uh, Benton, just just to be clear, um, there's a lot of definitions out there around brand, right? You, you talk to one person and they say, "Oh, your brand's your colors and consistency," and then another person, "Oh, it's your reputation." Um, making that transition to focus on brand, are you? How? I mean, there's so many different definitions. What What's your 30 second definition if if you're trying to be clear to those listening um, of making that transition from direct sales or hard sales or your economic engine to building those relationships from a branding standpoint. Yeah. So the, in my mind, the simplest definition of brand is it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And so that can apply to an individual. It can apply to a company or whatever. So, um, you know, when, when Harmon Brothers is not in the room, I hope that other people are saying, hey, Harmon Brothers are best in the world when it comes to branded conversion advertising. Uh, that's the brand that, that we're working to create. Um, and, and we probably have a lot of work to go. You know, there are probably a lot of people out there who would say something other than that. You know, maybe they say Harmon Brothers are the viral video guys or, or they do the poop products or whatever it is. You know, so, so we're actively working on kind of shaping what, what our brand is. Maybe from an individual perspective, if I'm going on LinkedIn and I'm just nonstop selling, then when I'm not in the room, then maybe all of a sudden people are like, oh man, that Benton, oh, he drives me nuts. He's a spammer or whatever. He just spams me every time I hear from him. Mm -hmm. um, that becomes my brand versus if I am adding value and helping people, then when I'm not in the room, hopefully people are saying, oh man, Benton is a really great marketing professional. And when you need help transitioning from direct sales into building a brand, there's no one better on earth to help you with that. You know, that would be the hope. Um, but at the end of the day, the brand is what people actually say about me when I'm not in the room, right? Right. So it's, it's the perception um, of the people have of you, basically. And I guess depending on your target market, that, that matters. I, I guess it matters most who you're trying to sell to, what they, what they think about you. Um, if, if you're focused on sales. Um, well, well, great. I, I know we're running short on time here. Um, and I really appreciate you making time to, to talk today on the podcast. Uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or, or uh, your firm, um, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so I'm most active on LinkedIn. Uh, so please, you know, follow me or connect with me on, on LinkedIn. And, you know, if, if anyone is interested in doing a deeper dive into studying how we do what we do and why we do what we do, 
uh, harmanbrothersuniversity.com is a great asset. We've created you know, a whole series of, of courses. Um, and quite honestly, we designed them to, to train our own people, um, but we, you know, we open them up to the public. So you know, anyone who wants to come and get training to learn how to do what we do, um, that's, a, that's a great asset as well. Awesome. And I've gone through a couple of your courses. Uh, one, one was on humor and the other one was on uh, creating video ads. And uh, both of them were just, I mean, for those of y'all that like to to do some personal development, these courses are great. They're, they're not boring at all. And there's the really awesome content. Um, obviously not boring with Harmon Brothers. If you've seen their ads, Thank you. <laughs> they're a lot of fun. Um, well, uh, for those of y'all that have been tuned in, tuning in, uh, thank thank you, and stay tuned for future episodes of the Digital Selling Secrets podcast.